Coming up on the Money Beat Podcast, you may not be worried about a recession anymore, but is it too soon to stop worrying about a recession? We'll talk about it with Wall Street Journal economics columnist Greg Ipp. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Everything you need to know about money and the markets. And then some. Welcome to the Money Beat Podcast. Paul Vigna and Stephen Gross are in the studio here with you on this Monday afternoon. And it is, it's it's almost spring. The weather is turning. Uh, things are getting brighter. Week. Supposed to be 70 this week in NYC. Uh, everything seems a little bit brighter here in uh, on the eastern seaboard. Everything seems a little bit brighter in the markets, right? Yeah. Uh, two months ago, almost, almost exactly two months ago, the markets were in a dark place. They're in a terrible place. Everything was going in the wrong direction. If you're a bull, if you're a short, everything was going in the right direction. Uh, everything was going down. Everything was red. A lot, a lot, lot of talk about a recession here in the United States. Everything coming unglued. Uh, it, it is so different. The mood. Over the past two months. Or two weeks. Two, well, I'm talking about, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Since right. mid-February, so three Since weeks. Since mid-February, right. I'm getting my time frames wrong. But uh, uh, the, the point is that, you know, since about February 11th, the mood has turned around almost 180 degrees. I mean, completely around to the point where the, those recession fears have just been, and, and you thought that I, I used this phrase, scattered to the wind grows. You thought that was a little strong. Well, I mean, and if, I think, no, it wasn't that I thought it was too strong. I think it tends to be who you're talking to. Yeah. And you talk to a lot of people in the market, and they're not completely um, ready to write off a recession. I all. think, see, that's where we disagree. Maybe it depends on, you're right, it depends on who you're talking to. The people I'm talking to, it seems Our like. Our guest on no, Friday was definitely yes, not ready to yes. write off a recession. Uh, and our guest today. Perfect segue. Very well done. Very well done. Uh, our guest today, Greg Ipp, Wall Street Journal economics writer. Uh, Greg, you wrote a really interesting piece that we want to talk about a little bit. On Friday, you wrote this after the jobs report came out. I'll just read the headline, and then I'm going to let you take it. All clear on recession risk? With a little question mark. Not yet. Uh, why, why not yet, Greg? Okay. Well, first of all, I'm going to let you guys in on a dirty little secret. I actually wrote that piece the day before the jobs report. Okay. Oh, so, very clear. All right. Okay. okay. So the jobs numbers come out. All right. And now I'm going to let the listeners in on a on a on a little trade secret here. You're actually allowed to rewrite your articles and revise <laughs> right. them as long as you're fully transparent about that. And so your next question is, well, Greg, how do you write your way around a 242,000 upside non-farm payroll surprise? Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. listen. Uh, all right. First of all, readers, do not try this one at home. Uh, <laughs> second of all, look, if you actually dig beneath the surface, it wasn't all gangbusters great as it looked. Yes, we had a big gain in non-farm payrolls, 242,000. But the average work week actually declined. And so when you actually compare the total numbers of hours worked, between February and January, it went down. And in mm -hmm. fact, the total number of hours worked has not gone up so far this year. Plus, there was also the decline in uh, hourly income. So purchasing power didn't go up. Now, in some sense, it was just a mirror image of January when we had a below consensus gain in jobs, a gain in hours, and a big gain in wages. So you kind of have to average the two. You, the story you get is of an economy that's doing okay. It's not a recession, but it's not off to the races. Now, let's go back to your original question. 
why am I not sort of jumping on the everything is hunky-dory now, there will be growth in the spring story? Right. It's because even though Com has once again returned to the markets, um, if you look at the level of where the dollar is today, uh, high yield spreads are today, stock market is today, they're all tighter in terms of like their um, effect on the economy than they were just six months ago. And is that level of tightness of financial conditions which will determine where the economy goes. And as we know, these things operate with a leg. And so that's why I think it's just too soon to conclude that the turmoil we've seen in markets has not left any lasting impact. And I was going to say, like, going back to the jobs report, the jobs report struck us very much as this for the, in the weird place that the market is, this was a great jobs report because the headline number sort of quelled the fears of the recession, an immediate recession. But the wage figure sort of was gave the market a little bit of calm that the Fed wasn't going to be raising rates um, in March or you know too soon. That this gave them uh, a little bit of uh, leeway to you know do, to keep the pace slow. Well, first of all, if that's how the markets responded, I think the markets uh, would be uh, mistaken to do that. Why do I say that? Well, first of all, the markets should want that wage number to go up. We should all want right, that wage yeah, right. number to go up. As wage slaves ourselves, we want that wage yeah. number to go up. As good American citizens, we want that number to go up because we want people to go out there and spend money. We want the Fed to raise interest rates because when the Fed raises interest rates, it's a sign that everything is great and the markets should want everything to be great. Mm -hmm. So – um, it is not a good sign that that number was poor. I think the markets should actually worry about that because I think it speaks to the enduring mystery of why this low unemployment rate is not generating stronger wage income. And the longer we go without generating that strong wage income, the less confident you can be that ultimately this cycle will have that self-perpetuating character of higher income leading to higher spending, leading to higher income. Okay, so um, enough of that. <laughs> The other reason that you shouldn't be inferring too many um, benign things about the Fed is that the prior week we got a more important number as far as the Fed is concerned, which was the core inflation numbers right. from the notorious PCE index. And that number is now up to 1.7 percent, which um, is actually higher than the Fed uh, uh, officials told us in their last round of forecasts. And they expected it to be by the end of this year. So that actually that inflation number has actually been the one thing that's really worried the Fed and given um, strength to those who want the Fed to go slowly or stop raising rates altogether. And so they've kind of left lost a powerful argument for why the Fed should just write off the rate hike campaign for the rest of the year. So when they go into the Fed's meeting next week and they're trying to decide what do they do for the rest of the year, they now have two things sort of working across purposes. On the one hand, the uh, job growth is good and the inflation numbers are moving back to where they want to. But on the other hand, the wage numbers have once again disappointed and I think raises questions about whether the economy is really uh, in as healthy a place as we want it to be. Uh, we are talking to Greg Ipp, who's joining us uh, via Skype from down in Washington. Let's take a quick break here. I think it's a good place to take a break. And we're going to come back on the other side. We're going to keep talking about this uh, topic. Hey, this is Jason Gay. Are you liking this podcast? Well, then check out my podcast, The Free For All, where I talk about, I talk about everything, man. That's why it's called The Free For All. For more info, go to wsj.com slash podcast. That's slash podcast. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and now Spotify. That's the free-for-all WSJ Pods. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.
Now, Money Beat. Welcome back, Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser in the studio here in New York. Greg Ip, economics columnist at The Wall Street Journal, joining us from Washington, talking about the economy, the jobs report, and the markets. You, you know, it, one thing I want to ask you, Greg, is you, you mentioned this, you kind of made a, a, an oblique reference to the economy chugging along. And I think there's a perception, and I don't think it's necessarily wrong, that the economy can't really just chug along. It's either going in one direction or the other. And if it's not expanding, it is coming down and it will eventually come. I, I think that's what people are afraid of. They hear that the economy is it's 2% this, 2% this, 2% this. And they think, well, that can't last. It can't just chug along. We are either going to get some kind of growth spurt or we're going to fall into a recession. What are the dynamics of that? Well, I think that perception is, uh, you're, you're, you're quite right that that's what people think. And this re- expansion has kind of mystified us because it has, in fact, chugged along at around 2%. Right, right. It has repeatedly defied the optimists who thought that it would uh, reach some kind of takeoff period and mm-hmm. achieve growth rates of 3% or more. Uh, on the other hand, it's also defied the pessimists, overcome a lot of shocks, and never sort of slip below 1% for any consistent period of time. Um, and I don't think we have a good answer for why it seems to show this type of stability. I will say the following. I think that there's an interesting debate going on that uh, now that we're in the seventh year of an economic expansion, uh, that's that's already on track to be, I think it's already the fourth longest of the uh, post-war period, and uh, it's closing in on third longest. Uh, will this expansion just roll over and die of old age? Mm-hmm. Now, if you ask economists and Federal Reserve officials, they say, no, eco- economies don't die of old age. But I'm not so sure. I think that we're at that stage now where there's perhaps uh, the markets are looking pretty stretched. There was obviously a lot of imbalances built up. And profit margins are declining, which is certainly not a good sign for the market, possibly not a great sign for the economy. So I think, you know, that's another thing that's uh, weighing on the Fed's mind these days. If they proceed with this uh, rate hike campaign, are they in some sense tightening into a natural slowdown in the economy and raising the risk of a recession that we really don't have to have? One of the questions, you know, that has been persistent is the Fed back in, I think, starting in 2014 referred to, you know, the uh, tumbling oil prices and the dollar, strengthening dollar as sort of transitory. Have they been surprised by how long um, the, the tumbling oil prices and stronger dollar have persisted? Oh, I think so. I mean, uh, they're no different from anybody else. Their their crystal ball is uh, basically as cloudy as everyone else's. And uh, absolutely, I mean, if you just look at their inflation numbers, they've consistently overestimated how high inflation would be, partly because they did not correctly uh, um, uh, foresee what the dollar and oil prices would do. But that said, I would say that their fundamental um, faith that these are transitory influences has not been shaken. They still believe that once oil stops dropping, and the dollar stops going up, then the core inflation numbers will recover. The headline inflation numbers will certainly recover, and we'll get back to that 2% inflation number. And by the way, I mean, uh, they, they certainly live by the mantra that never uh, never wrong, often early. <laughs> and they may have been early on the call that the uh, on their call that the dollar would stop going up, but it seems to have been correct. It has stopped going up. And they may have been early in saying that oil will stop going down, but it has does appear to have stopped going down. So that's why I think the next sort of six months will be very interesting. It'll it'll be a test of their thesis that once those two things stabilize, you'll start to see positive inflation dynamics reassert themselves. No, because that's been, I think, one of the interesting things over the last, since February 11th, is that oil has stabilized. Mm-hmm. It's, it's rebounded a bit, not a great deal. And the dollar has, hasn't, has you know, continued to strengthen. 
But, you know, you really wonder with the negative rates, um, you know, from Japan, the ECB expected to act this, this you know, week, Thursday. Thursday of the meeting. Yeah. How much longer that can persist, that the dollar continues to sort of not strengthen and oil prices stay uh, yeah. buoyant? Well, I'll make my heroic forecast. I think <laughs> that uh, <laughs> if I get it wrong, we'll just sort of erase this podcast right in the start of the day. Right, right. We, 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 right? we, we have that technology. Paul, you'll do that for me, right? We're we, have, we have that technology. Uh, but the point I want to make is that, um, first of all, the fact we expect the ECB to go into a deeper negative territory this week. That's already in the market. They kind of have to surprise us with even more aggressive action, I think, to move the euro very much. And remember, um, the euro can't go to zero, neither can the yen. I mean, at today's levels, the euro is very undervalued and the dollar is very overvalued. And at some point, that fundamental valuation has got to overwhelm these cyclical influences. And we may already be at that point. Okay. You know, you, you look at the stock market, and you talk about you know long in the tooth. The 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 bull market turned seven this week on Wednesday, is the the seventh anniversary of the post crisis lows. You look at the stock market. You look at the the jobs report on Friday. You look at all these these indicators, and they're not really telling you strongly which way. I don't think you know the, the market is going. What do you look at, Greg, to tell you? where the economy is going? What are, what are the markers that you think are important? I think the first thing, the most important thing, there's a couple of things. First of all, actually, look, I do look at the financial markets a lot. And mm-hmm. uh, I look at things like uh, junk bond spreads and the stock market itself and the shape of the yield curve. And all those things have made me cautious, which is why I believe that the odds of recession this year are one in three. And that's kind of how I felt all year. Now, if the stock market comes back, that suggests to me that uh, equity investors are looking across the valley and they're seeing a period when underlying earnings growth resumes. That would be, to me, would be very positive. I would love to see Treasury yields go up more. That also would be a positive sign. On the economic data, I look very closely at the high-frequency stuff, in particular the purchasing manager indexes and the weekly jobless claims. And they're telling us the same story. On the manufacturing, uh, considerable weakness, but it seems to be uh, attenuating. On the services side, continued growth, jobless claims, bit of a move up earlier this year, but most of it seems to be uh, restricted to the oil-producing states where there have been a lot of uh, layoffs related to the uh, decline in rig counts and, and so forth. So I don't see anything in the economic data yet that tells me we're headed into recession. Now, even if we don't head into a recession, I think the stock market has a couple of hills to climb um, anyway, one of which is that um, we're past the peak in profit margins. Mm. And let's say that we finally do see some decent wage growth. Well, that's going to come out of profit margin further. Mm-hmm. And I think that creates both uh, earnings growth headwinds and valuation headwinds. And finally, the more – a little bit ironically, the more stable the economy looks, the more confidence the Fed will have to resume its tightening campaign. And that is yet another potent headwind to the stock market. Yeah. Okay, girl, I, I have another question there. Of course, there. So in, in the headline of your piece on Friday, which you rewrote cleverly, you know, because when I read it, I, it, looked, <laughs> it read to me like uh, by the time I got to it, it read like it was after the jobs report. But anyhow, in the headline, you have the words not yet. So my question to you is, when is yet? When will I know? Uh, so these things. Uh, oh, yeah, it's a hard question, right? That That's the time. Uh, yeah, yeah, like but, you're asking you know. from yeah. very specific. Yes, I mean, yes, I am. Yeah. When? It when, Greg? When am I going to know? It will be approximately 24 hours after our next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think these things typically operate with a lag of three, six, nine months. If we get to June and we should show, see no sign of the economic data rolling over, 
if the purchasing manager's indexes have both moved into positive territory, if hours are not dropping off, if we continue to have positive job growth, and by the way, we don't need 200000 a month, I'd be happy with one hundred to 150000 a month, then I think that we can basically uh, um, uh, go back to DEFCON yeah. One, wait a minute. <laughs> I think the higher numbers. Really the higher numbers right? you, know, you know what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah, we also <laughs> war games. We also war games. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's what I'll be looking for. I think that I will be breathing easier if three months from now we see no sort of echo effect from this financial market turmoil on the hard economic data. Huh. All right. Let's leave it there. Yeah, I think that's a great place. Greg Ip, Wall Street Journal economist columnist. I want to thank you for your time. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks Always a lot. great to talk to you. And uh, everyone, thanks for listening. And we will be talking to you later this week, certainly.